This is CHUO 89.1 FM. Welcome to this week's episode of The Mosaic. We're going to take a look at what's going on in Ottawa through in-depth discussion. Whether it's social justice or music and art, we're covering it all to highlight the voices of our diverse community. Today, a look ahead to a climate protest on Parliament Hill this weekend. We examine the International Day to End Impunity for Crimes Against Journalists. We'll dive into the festivities of Day of the Dead, then keep you updated on a charity concert opposing a proposed prison to be built on Kempville farmland. Stick around. I'm Lauren Rolston, and we've got all that and more coming up on The Mosaic. The 28th Climate Change Conference is coming up. COP28 will kick off at the end of November in Dubai. The summit brings together state parties, experts, journalists, climate activists, and non-governmental representatives alike. There's concern over the UAE being the host this year. Last year, the West Asian country was the fourth largest country in oil production. They're behind Iraq and Saudi Arabia, with the U.S. coming out on top. This is according to data from the Energy Institute's Statistical Review of World Energy. The UAE also appointed Sultan Ahmed Al-Jabir as president of the COP28 talks. Sultan Al-Jabir is the CEO of the state-owned oil company. The BBC reports on one campaign group saying this is the equivalent of appointing the CEO of a cigarette company to oversee a conference on cancer cures. The Climate Summit will cover its progress towards the Paris goals from COP21 and aiming for a 1.5 degree Celsius warming limit. They'll also be checking in with the moves towards clean energy sources and slashing greenhouse gas emissions. This comes after a year of burning forests, smoggy cities, flooding on coasts, and parched farmlands. The climate crisis is taking a toll on lives around the world. Environment director at Human Rights Watch, Richard Piercehouse, says, quote, This isn't a climate conference for the faint-hearted. Governments from around the world need to turn up in the UAE prepared to deliver a clear message that ambitious climate action requires meaningful participation of independent voices, including those calling for the phase-out of fossil fuels, end quote. We'll hear some of those calls in Ottawa this Saturday. A global power-up movement will manifest at Parliament. In a mass organizing meeting for the rally, organizer Joanna Lewis pointed to the devastating climate impacts seen across Canada. They said the climate emergency is clearly at our doorstep and more people are waking up to that devastating reality. They pointed to fossil fuel companies as the culprit behind the devastation. The movement aims to shift money and political influence away from these companies. This comes in two demands for the federal government, pay up and power up, by seizing wealth from the fossil fuel industry and funding a transition to renewable energy. Saturday, we'll see an artful demonstration in front of Parliament at 1pm. Today marks a significant day in calendars across the globe. CHO's Ariagunde brings you more on this date. November 2nd is the UN International Day to End Impunity for Crimes Against Journalists. It brings awareness to the lack of justice for violence against journalists, a disturbing practice found around the world. Since the war in Gaza broke out over three weeks ago, more than 30 journalists have been killed, according to VOA News. Their deaths will most likely go unpunished. However, this is not unique to Gaza or any armed conflict for that matter. The Committee to Protect Journalists, or CPJ, reports that the impunity rate for the killers of journalists is nearly 80%. 
Impunity means that the murderers are exempt from punishment. CPJ President Jody Ginsburg says, Murder is the ultimate form of censorship, swift and transparent. Globally in both democracies and authoritarian countries, the message is clear. Journalists are fair game. Syria, Somalia, and Haiti lead the count for the most journalist murders in 2023. However, those figures were recorded before the war in Gaza started. Even countries that have historically retained democracy, such as Mexico, Brazil, and India, make the list, proving that journalist murders are a tool for political gain. Some journalists were murdered in the street or in their vehicles, and some were even kidnapped to be found dead. Several were killed in front of family members, including their children. Women in the field are particularly impacted by this violence. 73% of women journalists in a UNESCO survey claimed that they had been threatened, intimidated, and insulted online in connection with their work. When crimes against journalists go unpunished, other journalists may start self-censoring, emboldening the perpetrators of the crimes. This is a threat to the very essence of freedom of speech and the freedom of expression. Journalists are the reason the world has reliable, first-hand information to make decisions. In a culture where they cannot do their job, the truth itself is lost. The UN states it cannot guarantee the safety of journalists, especially in conflict zones. Yet it's taking steps to ensure the press can do its work without the fear of violence or death. Their plan of action on the safety of journalists and the issue of impunity is their first effort to address this problem. The plan brings together UN bodies, national authorities, media, and civil society organizations. Since the plan was adopted 11 years ago, journalist safety has gained higher visibility in the UN. This is seen in an increasing amount of declarations, resolutions, and the UN Secretary General's call to action for human rights. 50 countries have adopted national safety mechanisms for the press. Yet the profession remains a dangerous job with almost no accountability for the criminals that harm them. That was CHUO's Arya Gunde on the International Day to End Impunity for Crimes Against Journalists. Day of the Dead is wrapping up. The annual celebration brought beautiful Mexican traditions to the capital. CHUO's Marcela Gonzalez attended two of the local area events. Here she is with more. I think it's a long time that we have this opportunity to show the community our tradition uh, for many years, more than 10 probably. So uh, yes, it's, it's very uh, uh, gratifying to show uh, our our tradition and one of the most important traditions of Mexican culture. So yeah, we've, we've been here for uh, many years. Those are the words of Brenda Colin, a member of the accounting area at UNAM Canada, a language school in Gatino where you can take courses on Mexican and Latin culture too. As we talk in the Maison de Citoyenne, we were surrounded by columns of papel picado, cempasuchiles, and a stunning altar meant to honor the ones that are not with us anymore. I remember that the security was shocking, seeing how people would gather every November 1st and 2nd to receive the deceased with a spirit that was anything but mournful. There were candles everywhere, painting the sky with beautiful orange tones that, paired with the cempasuchiles, the marigold flowers, made it so that you felt like you were in a lucid dream. We would paint our faces white and bring pictures of our loved ones. We would eat pan de muerto and rejoice in the sugary sweet treat we wish to stay for the whole year. Yeah, normally it's um, it surprised people because it's different to celebrate death. It's, it's, it's a way of, of seeing death in a different angle of perspective. 
At first glance, the Day of the Dead may appear extremely foreign, but it's a festivity that's been around for more than 500 years, since before the Spanish conquest. The homage to the dead was common in the pre-Columbian cultures. They would wrap the bodies and make a party to send them off to Mictlan, the underworld of Aztec mythology. The origins of Day of the Dead are found in the adaptation of these rituals made by indigenous people to the Christian calendar brought by the Spanish. If I had to say, I'd say that this is one of Mexico's most loved traditions. Not only did I feel it in the air in Gatino, but also when I went to Bywar Market on October 27 to watch the musical performance by the Oaxacan group The Oaxaca. As we listened to Ojos Negros, there was a sense of community I felt standing there, under the rain, with a dozen other people who were there for the same reason as I was, to taste home again. I saw indigenous vendors, taco stands and a lot of smiles, some with that tinge of recognition, some surprised, but all of them sharing the spirit of the living and the dead being closer than ever. I think that's the most important when celebrating Day of the Dead, enjoying yourself. However, there are a certain number of elements that are essential for the ofrendas, or the altars built to receive the dead. So there's different elements. Um, normally we put uh, the water to purify uh, a little bit of salt, also to, to purify the, the papel picado, is to represent the wind. So it's more like the elements. And the, the candles is the fire, so it's, it's like the elements to bring them to, to earth. There are also the white tablecloths that signify purity. The candles and marigolds to guide the dead, the calaveritas or sugar skulls to make reference to their pre-Columbian cultures, the incense to clean the bad spirits away, and, of course, the bird of the dead, Pan de Muerto, whose shape symbolizes the cycle of life and death. After I went out of the meso and the situation with my Pan de Muerto, I could only be thankful for the people who took their time to, every year, bring the dead to Ottawa. This is a celebration. The Day of the Dead is a celebration. So, enjoy! In November of 2003, the UNESCO declared Day of the Dead as heritage of humanity. One assumption that could be made of this festivity is that by celebrating the dead, we are laughing at them. But no. Day of the Dead, if anything, is another way to grieve, by crying, singing and dancing. That was CHUO's Marcela Gonzalez on Day of the Dead festivities in Ottawa and Gatineau. For more on the Day of the Dead, check out Ana Sofia de la Parra's article on CHUO.FM. And speaking of Day of the Dead, Noir Art Festival starts today. The four-day festival is opening with an upscale gala and fundraiser. The event aims to support the Queensway Carleton Hospital, featuring a gastronomic salon, live performances, and a silent auction of art. The theme this year, you guessed it, is Day of the Dead, showcased in a fine art exhibit with 55 professional artists. The Mexican Embassy is collaborating with Byward Market's Day of the Dead Festival for the program. The Embassy is offering guided tours of authentic Day of the Dead altars, one honoring Mexican painter Frida Kahlo, another for Canadian artist Emily Carr. Tickets can be bought online through the Wall Candy Arts website. 
Tomorrow, a benefit concert headlined by Mohawk singer-songwriter Logan Statz. The concert's presented by the Coalition Against the Proposed Prison, or CAP, at the Carleton Dominion Chalmers Centre. The group opposes the Ford government's controversial plan to build a prison on Kempville farmland outside Ottawa. All proceeds from the concert tomorrow will go to support the legal challenge waged by local residents against the planned 235-bed prison. Logan Statz is an award-winning Mohawk performer and Indigenous rights advocate. He says, quote, We don't need another prison on stolen Indigenous land. We need land back. That's why I'm joining forces with CAP to stop Ford's Kempville prison, end quote. Local favorite Trevor Alguire brings a blend of country rock to the concert, too. He says, quote, I was shocked to hear that the Ford government didn't consult with the residents of Kempville before deciding to build a prison in their town. Paving over farmland to build that prison is simply irresponsible when our province is losing more than 300 acres of farmland a day, end quote. Adrian Harewood will be hosting the concert and event. CAP invites everyone to join forces with them for an evening of music and fellowship to save farmland, build communities, and stop Ford's Kempville prison. And that's it for this week's episode of The Mosaic. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can listen to this episode and previous ones on chuo.fm. Music for The Mosaic is by Halizna. I'm Lauren Rolston, and we'll see you next week.